0: My self-esteem was dinged all day long. Um, yeah. And so that took a lot on me. So that that really impacted me in ways of depression and like things that I don't even want to talk about because I don't want yeah. to do for anybody else out there. But um, I was a very depressed little kid, like eight, nine, ten years old, uh, eleven years old. And. Um, because this the advocacy of my parents would happen every year then they at first i would get an accommodation and then they lost interest and then around eighth grade i started to act up uh, a little bit i spent most of the year in the bathroom because when a stuttering dyslexic has to read out loud where are they going to go they have to go to the, the bathroom
1: hello everyone I am your host, Lion, and I believe that when the world challenges you, that is your cue to go deep within yourself, to tap more deeply into your greatness. I believe that people's unkindness and criticism is a way for us to reinvent ourselves while simultaneously becoming more deeply and authentically ourselves. This can be a long, arduous, and solo journey. However, our guest today is a testament of the greatness that can follow should you choose the tough road of forging your own unique path. I am so grateful to Nina G for making the time to share her light with us. One thing that we know for a fact is that life inadvertently will change, um, you know, uh and it will not be our choice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, when that happens, um we will be forced to grapple with it, be it disease, loss of a job, um family, circumstance or whatnot, and building a practice around stepping out of our comfort zone intentionally can really help us build the muscles of resilience Mm. to um, help us transcend um, our human suffering um, as a result of the ease that we might be able to feel through a practice, dare I say a devotional practice, of stepping out of our comfort mm-hmm.
0: zone. Yeah, and, and I really appreciate that because the idea to adapt um, is one that that is a value of the disability community. Um, and a lot of times, able-bodied don't want able-bodied people. They don't want to talk about a disability experience because. We're one of the few minority groups that you could join at any time. So people don't want to be reminded of their vulnerabilities. Mm. So, but if you live long enough, you're going to get there. You're going to become uh, one of us, like the movie says, Mm. like like the movie for, freak says. Um, so it's important to know and to practice that adaptation throughout your life because you're going to need it. And I think that resiliency kind of builds that. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm just happy to be here and talking about that. And we haven't even said what my disability is yet, but I know you're going to get to it.
1: Yes. Yes. And and thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I know we were talking about this Earlier, but I think it's so valuable for all of us to recognize that really it's only a matter of time as our life naturally transforms that we will grapple with limitations that we previously didn't have. And uh, developing an appreciation and celebration of those amongst us, like Nina G., who are special, who have, um, you know, who've grown up with these disabilities, and witnessing how rich their existence is, um, can help us, um, you know, sort of not suffer as much and, and, and realize how, um, you know, this natural transformation of life and, and better be um, emotionally, mentally, um, spiritually prepared um, for life's natural, um, you know, um, turns, if you will. All right. So with that, I would love to take a moment to introduce you. Um, so it is my pleasure to introduce you to San Francisco's first female stuttering comedian, Nina G. Um, she was born in Alameda, California, Um, Alameda is, uh, you know, uh, part of the San Francisco metro area. I'm a big fan. Um, If you've never been, uh, the next time you're in San Francisco, do make the time to explore. Um, She is a author who has published uh, multiple books as well as an international speaker with speaking engagements in places like Iceland and Canada and she's so special um, because she, not only is she a stutterer, but she also has dyslexia. And um, Nina likes to say that you know we're not allowed to feel bad for her for 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 being a stutterer and having dyslexia, but we definitely are allowed to feel bad for her being subjugated to going through Catholic school <laughs> at a young age.
0: In the night. And- note
1: in the 1980s in the 1980s wow um she was first diagnosed with a learning disability uh back in the third grade um and one thing that's very interesting about nina g's background is that she is fourth generation disabled so um she comes from a family as a result that understands um you know some of these limitations Um, and, uh, I presume, um, that it was somewhat of a boon for her to sort of have the life experience that she did being surrounded by people who could, um, sort of resonate deeply with her experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Um, and thank you for the introduction. Where would you like to start?
1: Yes. So I would love to begin by having you. Paint us a picture of your childhood, um, your school life, and living with stuttering and dyslexia.
0: So, um, when you have a non-apparent disability, um, you don't know you're disabled until you got to do that thing that the disability impacts. Um, And so, for dyslexia, it's it's a little bit weird because it only shows up once you're well into school and in the united states they spend the first couple years learning to read and then in third grade you have to read to learn so that that's a time when a lot of us are diagnosed with dyslexia because you have to read your science book you have to read your history book in order to learn and that's where we get stuck, and that's where we oftentimes get referred to to get uh, the diagnosed so that's was part of my story there now um with the stutter oh, let me start again with the dyslexia there there were signs or earlier on because when i was three years when i was like two or three um when i asked my mom for a ch- chicken i would make this sound and for cheese i would do and my parents were like you know maybe chirping isn't on the developmental mo- milestone list my it's my Child is chirping, um. And so my dad, ha- having ha- having had a h- hard of hearing experience throughout his family, um, because he is hard of hearing. His his dad was hard of hearing, and my grandfather's mom was hard of hearing. So this wasn't anything new to them, um. And so they brought me to Children's Hospital in Oakland. They got me assessed. I had speech therapy there with a wonderful woman named uh, Elaine, who even going into my adulthood, um, I still have a re- relationship with. We've hosted stuttering parties, um, together, which is, which is weird because her husband stutters. And so he got involved with this stuttering community in the eighties. And then I eventually joined that community. And then, um, and so it's very weird to have this woman who knew me when I was two and a half still involved in my life. I talked to her daughter on Instagram. Anyway, just very strange how all of that works out. Anyway, started in speech when I was, Eight, and it was for central auditory processing issues and what that means the best way that I can explain it um, and some of the your younger the, 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 the viewers may may, may, may may not understand but it's like you hear Charlie Brown's teacher so it goes wah 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 um, and that's why I woke up extra early and that's why I had my diet coke because it still impacts me especially in the morning um so um because i i may not hear things very clearly um and if you don't hear things clearly when you hear what 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 you're going to say what 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 um because you copy what you hear and so as a child exactly and, and so that explained the Chirping to some extent, um, so I was adapting there. Um, but then, if you have pro- problems processing language, dyslexia is a language processing issue. Mm. So that. And then, um, around seven, uh, around seven or eight years old, I also st- started to stutter. It became more of an issue in third grade. But I also remember one of my earliest memories, like it's weird when you ask someone who stutters, like what's your first memory of stuttering? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it wasn't trying to get out the word. It was other people's reaction. And other mm-hmm. reactions to my speech is the cornerstone of my stand-up comedy. So it's very interesting that this is something I've, dealt with my entire life um, i remember in second grade um every month there would be a mass that the whole school went to be, being a catholic school and they would have someone read a prayer like a dedication or a petition just like god please bless blah 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 um, and so it would be from like second grade on first grade on um, so there'd be eight of these um, and so the teacher said, is there anybody here who hasn't read in the church yet? And mm-hmm. I raised my hand. It being May. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, I have it yet. And the teacher looked over me and chose the kid behind me. Um, and she looked at me and she was like, uh, uh, not her. Um, and I feel that like, I don't know if I was st- stuttering then, but, I knew I wasn't picked because of how I talked or how I read. I don't know wh- what it was. So to mm-hmm. me, that was kind of the first time. And I feel like she may have been trying to protect me mm. um, and yeah. by putting me uh, on the stage. Didn't really help me. Um- <laughs> yeah. So that to me is my earliest memory of that, and I assume that I started to stutter around around that time, but I didn't get into speech for the stutter until I was eight.
1: So, um, thank you so much for sharing the story of being looked over um, by your teacher. Um, uh, You know, I I can't imagine. Um, sort of what it must have been like for you to have experienced that. And I think in the vein of this conversation, I think it's very relevant to be curious about, you know, if you could better help us understand, starting at that stage and going forward, the ways in which your self-esteem, which is connected to your self-worth, um, how that was impacted, um, you know.
0: So, yeah. It, it, so in third grade, mm-hmm. uh, when I was diagnosed with dyslexia, um, my parents came to the school and they advocated. My dad being hard of hearing, he already had that experience. My mom, mm-hmm. her mom had polio. Um, and so my grandma lives with post p- p- polio syndrome. So yeah. my mom had the, that, that experience and they were, you know, kind of like this working class thing of, Oh, you got this thing, you deal with it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, it's just, it's just black and white and it's just there. Um, and so when they got the, information that I had dyslexia and what that meant my mom went to the school my dad went to the school was like okay she needs these things and one of the accommodations because you get an accommodation um if you if you are disabled and it and it impacts you in the environment one of those accommodations was that on non-spelling things tests that I would have them done orally or I would have them done in a different way. And I remember the first time that I had an accommodation, it was so clear to me and I remember it so, so well. Um, it was the map of California. And I had to put on there where Sacramento, the capital, was, where Los Angeles was, where. Re- 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 Rivers were all of that. Um, and and I didn't have and so other kids had to spell everything right. I I had the test done orally and I was the first one done. It was the first time in my life I had ever finished class work mm-hmm. be, be, be before anybody else. And I was like, Sacramento's here, LA's here, blah blah blah. blah. And I got an A on it. She put it on the board. I was the first one to have it on the board. I was like, oh, this accommodation thing is so great. This is going to work out wonderful. And then I don't remember being uh, accommodated after that. Mm. Um, And so it was a a very bittersweet thing um, that I was like, oh, I can do the work, but they're not allowing me to show that. Um, So that was very difficult. And the thing in school, when you have dyslexia, it's really hard because your job is school and you are, and you have something that interferes in that, or maybe not, you know, like we really have to look at the environment and not at the person's to, to, disability because is it the person's fault that they use a, a wheelchair? No, no, it's the environment's fault that it's not ramped. And if we mm-hmm. take that same kind of shift and paradigm into schools, is it the dyslexic kid's fault that they aren't learning? No, it's the environment's fault for not making um, making not, not not reaching out to them in a way that helps mm-hmm. them to learn best. Mm-hmm. Um and so for me um cuz you know you were you were in school 8 hours a day and then you got homework and like in 3rd grade I had 3 hours of homework mm-hmm. every night and I would sit at the kitchen table with my mom and she would write out like I would dictate dictate to her what I wanted to say and then I had to copy that so it was a whole process mm-hmm. um in, in doing my homework. So, and sometimes she would just do, do it for me. Um, and that was in part because the teacher didn't do an accommodation of maybe doing less work. And because, okay. you know, Catholic school in the 1980s, it was a lot of drill and kill, like do the mm-hmm. 30 of these p- problems. Like, and how about you do 10 and it's quality over c- quantity. Um, so because all day long literally all day long um it, it, i was engaging in something that my self esteem did not was not encouraged like my mm-hmm. self esteem was dinged all day long um mm-hmm. and so that took a lot on me so that that really impacted me in ways of depression and like things that i don't even want to talk about because i don't mm-hmm. want to for anybody else out there, but, um, I was a very depressed little kid, like eight, nine, 10 years old, uh, 11 years old. Um, because this, the advocacy of my parents would happen every year, then they, at first I would get an accommodation and then they lost interest. And then around eighth grade, I started to act up uh, a little bit. I spent most of the year in the bed, bathroom because when a stuttering dyslexic has to read out loud where are they gonna go, they have to go to the, the bathroom. Um so um I do have a story of um I kind of had it that in in the eighth grade one of the accommodations was that I got to do every other problem. Um so easy ones, middle ones, hard ones. And so instead of 30 15 and i went to my teacher in the eighth grade and i was like what's my grade and she's like well you've been doing half the work so you are getting an f i was like no 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 you don't understand you're supposed to grade me on the 15 not on 30 and i was like even if i got all of these right i'd still have an f because it would be at 50 percent and um and she's like yeah but you're getting enough and so i was really angry at that i was really mad um and mad is better than taking it out on myself mm-hmm. um, and so that was the year that i was in the bathroom as i oftentimes was and another kid from my class who was my cousin as well um came in and she had the teachers Coffee cup, and um, and she was supposed to get the t- teacher w- water, and I was like, hey, hey, hey what if you just put a little bit of toilet water in the coffee, just a tiny, tiny bit, and she did. She dunked it in, and then she filled the rest up with water, um, from the tap, and I went back and I saw my eighth grade teacher drink toilet water and i got to say really empowered really really empowered um and and i tell that story all the time so that people know if you're a t- teacher if you work with kids watch your c- coffee cups that's the first one and second we need to empower kids to be heard cuz i tried to advocate and i wasn't heard and also we need to help them advocate in the better ways but the environment needs to receive them for that advocacy so it goes both ways
1: yeah thank you so much for that you know um a couple of things um that really stuck out to me is you know school is a child's work and they don't really have a choice in that regard the way adults do and and you know the The lack of consistency, especially as it relates to accommodations um in school and the role that it played in in really digging into your self esteem and last but not least, give it up to your mama for all the support and you know being there with you at the homework table um sort of uh, you know helping you in that regard right um so With that, um, you are a comedian, so help us understand your relationship to comedy as a kid. How did it start? What did it look like? Paint us a picture of that.
0: Yeah. Well, if I wasn't crying over homework, I was w- watching TV. And for me, TV was a very accessible way to get information. And once you've watched all of the Flintstones, once you've watched all of the Be- Beverly H- Hillbillies, uh, you exhaust everything and then you just start to watch other things. And in my house, there wasn't, A restriction on 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 the things we watched and my mom is a pretty big comedy fan and so like and she was a really big Richard Pryor fan um and 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 still is and when I was around oh and every month my mom would let me play uh, hooky from from school and we would go out to the Movies And when I was nine, she, she brought me to see Richard Pryor live at the uh, Sunset Strip. So that's how I, you know, learned a lot of words. Um, and also really good drug education. You want to teach your kids about drugs. Richard Pryor live at the Sunset Strip. That's where he gets the light and was like, this is Richard Pryor running down when he lit, lit himself on foot fire. So, um can explore- we find
1: this on YouTube? Huh? Can we find this on YouTube? Oh,
0: um, you can find it on Netflix and all. Like, oh. it 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 is his film that is classic. It's him in the red suit, I believe. Um and um, yeah. It, and it's it still holds up in a lot of ways. Not everything, but in ma- many yeah.
1: ways. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So thank you for sharing that. Um, now. What happened at age 11 as it relates to the role of comedy in your life? Because I know that was a an important.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, all these years of watching comedy and also I was a really big late night with David Letterman fan, the mm-hmm. um, so Saturday Night Live to a lesser extent, but still really important. Um I, I just, I decided I wanted to do stand up. It was a thing that I, yeah. it was all of that. As I went into high school, I had a lit and I still have the p- paper in a drawer over there. Um, I would write jokes. I would call up open mics. Um, I would take notes on which of the open mics, uh, allowed m- minors. And my goal was to do stand up when I was 17, it all ended because um, I was like, ah, that's not going to happen. This is 1990. There's no stuttering people on TV doing stand-up. I thought a prerequisite for doing stand-up was that you had to be fluent um, and, and, and fluency being not so stutter. Um, so Dream Died went on with my life. Um, when I was 35, I attended a conference at the national stuttering association. And when I was there, I realized how much like space I relinquished up to other people. I think there's a thing when you stutter, um, and like as being an Italian American Catholic woman, um, like there's kind of an expectation to take care of others and to put other people first, and not to insert yourself in a, in, in 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 certain things, and so that kind of translated into holding back and feeling guilty that people would have to sit through my stutter and when i was there at the conference i was around other women and that's why it was so important to be with other women who stuttered because um i saw myself reflected there and i was like oh i wouldn't want this for them why do i want it for me, and I came back from that conference totally changed, um, changed a few things in my life, and one of those was I started to s- stand up when I was the 36 because I was like, okay, what's the thing that I always w- wanted to do? And I was like, oh, I'll I'll take a class and I'll see how it goes. It's been 13 years since then, so kind of like yeah. it.
1: I, I want to revisit that, but before we get to that part. I want to cover something um, from a little bit before Um, you. We talked about how, you know, um, you killed your dreams at the age of 17. And it was as a result of you not really seeing how it would be possible um, as it relates to role models uh, in comedy. Right. Um, But the. Conference, the stuttering conference that you attended at age 35 was not your first um, conference, right? Um, Because you did attend one at age 18. Additionally, one of the things that came up in our conversation is how stuttering women are unicorns. Um, I'm very curious uh, for you to share more with the audience um, in this regard. Uh, of, you know, what it was your experience like being a unicorn, especially, um, you know, as it relates to not having role models, um, mm-hmm. earlier on in life, which led you to sacrifice your dream. But then also once you were able to sort of, um, you know, discover more of your world, still feeling like a minority.
0: Yeah. So, what everyone should know first is that people who stutter are 1% of the world's population. Okay. And if there's four of us, three are going to be men. One's going to be a w- woman. So that's why we're a minority within a minority in that way. Um, and that's why I also call us you unicorns because if we find each other like what are the odds we are one in 400 so when we find each other it's very very special um and with that being said all there like if there was a stuttering character it was usually a guy um and also all of those images sucked anyway before the king speech and the movie rockets science i i can i can almost n- not name a good portrayal of a st- stutterer like i always say the best one i had was porky pig and it was a pig who didn't wear pants <laughs> like like that was all we had um but um for women ah, that it totally wasn't there But like the first time i saw a woman on tv talk mm-hmm. about something that wasn't on stuttering that was just on anything but stuttering but they stuttered on it was when I was on Good Day sus- Sacramento like that that was it was very weird that like me like I was the first woman I saw on TV talk and stutter and it wasn't on stuttering so that was mm-hmm. weird um So there's that. Um, I forget what you asked me. Uh,
1: um, (laughs) Basically, um, I think it would be great if we could pick up at your first experience at the conference at the age of 18.
0: Yes, that's what
1: you're getting Mm.
0: at. Um, Okay. So the thing is, when I was 18, I volunteered at the conference. I didn't participate um and so i would check people in and that was a great experience to hear people because almost all of us uh, stutter on our names like i've never met a stutterer who's like oh yeah i can say my name easy it's like no no it's really oh yeah all of us um and and, and, uh, and it could be that like there's that pressure because sometimes um under pressure like the like we're more conscious of our speech and so and also there's no way to get around it so like Mm -hmm. you gotta say your name unless you go to starbucks and you lie about your name which a lot of us do just to get it through um so and whatever you gotta do all good um and so at that conference i was checking people in all of that and I didn't participate being one of the few women at that conference and being so young, just really overwhelmed by all of the male energy. Um, and especially being a young woman, like I was like, some guys would kind of hit on me and that's where Mm -hmm. like, I tell women when they go to the conference, I'd be ready. And I also tell the men like, chill, chill the fuck out. Um, Um, because, you know, it has to go beyond, um, that and everybody has their own process in that. So, yeah, so that's where I I kind of felt like, oh, I got something out of this. I understood mm. it. And, you know, and I had some people who were ro- role models and they lived their life. None of them were comics. Um, luckily for my parents, cause I don't think they wanted me to go into comedy when I was 18. Um, But um, yeah, so that um, it was weird to go to that conference and then go to this other one where I really absorbed myself in, in it. I didn't and I wasn't expecting the life change that it would be. But the thing is, finding your community is so important because that like being reflected back. Kind of shows you who you can be and who you're going to grow into, and it gives you those possibilities.
1: Yeah, thank you. So, fast forwarding back to, you know, sort of this second conference that you attended at age 35, you talked about how that was such a turning point, probably one of the bigger turning points in your life where you sort of recognize the ways in which you are limiting yourselves in light of these other humans, these other women, um, and, and, you know, recognizing that you first had a responsibility to honor your own dreams. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as a result, you sort of, um, Dust the cobwebs off of your childhood dreams. Oh, I love
0: I love how you said that. Yes, that's totally it.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and you enrolled in a class at the San Francisco Comedy uh, School or San Francisco Comedy College, right? Um, tell us about that experience. What was the class like? And then... Segue that, please, into your first stand-up experience.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So it was um, a class that you took for a few weeks, and the college also had open mics there at the school that were only for people who went to the school, and they would su- sucker in t- tourists to to come, um, and you would perform to them, and so you had a real audience, which is great. Um, so many open mics or uh, other comics so uh-huh. that's why this was really great um, and um the first time I was like, okay, what am I gonna wear I'm gonna what, what and and I love clothes love clothes um and I was like, okay, what would a female comic wear like like I'm uh-huh. gonna like that and I had on okay Capri jeans and a shirt I got at Ross. It was just like this plain shirt. Um, And, and, and also wedge heels. Like I was like, okay, that looks like a comedian's outfit. Um, And so on my way there, it's real. this is really embarrassing. Like, I don't even want to talk about this. Like I'll talk about, you know, like being depressed as a child. I don't want to say what I'm about to say. But on my way there, I listened almost on a loop to the Eminem song from Eight Mile, that that, you know, the one where he's like gonna do the the battle. Yeah.
1: That's nothing to be embarrassed about. Eminem would be honored to hear this. And there's a lot of Eminem fans out there. So, yeah. Yeah. Kudos. Kudos.
0: Yeah. I guess, you know, like you know, the, the idea of somebody from, you know, who, who had the odds against them and yeah. the thing that they love all of that. Um, so yeah. And then I went and I don't remember that night. Exactly. I do have a video of it somewhere. I don't know where though. Um, but, um, I I remember that first couple weeks that I started, um, I remember a woman in the audience laughing at my jokes. And a a lot of my jokes, especially up front, are on stuttering because I'm trying to acclimate the audience. Just put it out there, and that's like one of the rules in comedy: is if there's something obvious, you talk about it first, get it out of the way, and then you can move on, or talk about it more, or come back to it, whatever. Yeah. Um. And so there was a woman who laughed, and I was like, "Oh, do you stutter?" And she's like, "No, you're just funny." I was like, "Oh, oh, okay, oh, it's it's this thing that impacts one percent of the population." can also be related by the other 99%. So that was one of the big things at at that time that I learned.
1: Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, Thank you so much uh, for sharing that. Um, Since that conference at the age of 35, have you been to any subsequent conferences and have you done stand up?
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um so I've gotten to keynote in Iceland and in Canada at their conferences. Um and the Iceland one was an international conference with people from all over the world. So that was amazing. Um And it was such a big deal that the president of Iceland opened it up the first night. Like, like that's, could you, I mean, Biden has been to a stuttering conference where he was a keynote, but that was way back in like the Um, nineties. But like to have the president in there, it's so cool. Um, So, so I've done keynotes, but also I've done shows too. And we did a comedy show because I'm not the only stuttering stand-up comic. I'm the only female stuttering stand-up comic in the Bay. Um, there are a couple other people that are dudes, of course, because four to one. Also, comedy has pretty much the same rate for gender ratio as stuttering. So, you know, it's... Yes. Yeah, less and less and less and less and less. Um, but there are some really great comics. Um, J- Jody Fuller being one of those. And Jody, um, when I first was like, okay, maybe I'll do stand up. Is there a stuttering stand up comic? And Jody Fuller, who I'm now friends with was one of those people like he was the guy he was the only person i found online in 2010 um and he still performs now and so i think for that show i got to perform with him and jason who's in the dc and there's a thing when you perform to your own people that they get it. Like they laugh at my premises before my punchline because they just get it. Um, And they know how absurd our lives can be. Like one of the things I really love is uh, absurdity in comedy. And when you stutter, absurdity happens constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to perform for that audience was, I mean, it, 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 it was an honor, but also so much fun.
1: So can you illustrate absurdity uh, through a story uh, for our audience?
0: Sure. Um, so one example I have, I was just talking mm-hmm. about this um, the other day. Um, so so I have two. One is yeah. more extreme than the other, um, although I was more offended it. by it. it, it, it extreme one. And you, people will hear a sexual thing in a minute. Okay, here we go. So um, once at a library, I did a presentation at a library on adaptive technology because there are technologies that can help someone with dyslexia read. And I was doing a presentation on, on all those things that could help. And an older woman afterwards <laughs> comes up to me, I was like, oh, she's going to tell me about her grandkid, and how this is going to help them, and I was like, oh, because you know, you get buzzed off of a good presentation, Um, and she comes up to me, and she's like, you know, you are such an inspiration, if I talked like you, I wouldn't talk at all, and I was like, not really a compliment, not really a compliment, that is not the only time that I've heard something to that effect. <laughs> See, see the absurdity.
1: Complete ignorant absurdity. Yes,
0: yes. Okay, so here's the other one. Yeah. And I've had many weird things so, said to me. This was among them, but my response was so good. Oh. <sighs> okay. Bless you. So, okay. Well, actually, I'll do two, and I'll yes,
1: please. Okay. We got time, so okay.
0: So oh, another one was my first month or so in comedy. Um, I was introducing myself to other comics. This mm-hmm. one guy, super nice guy. I'm friends with him now. He's wonderful. He's great. He wasn't in this m- moment. And so he 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 asked my name. And I said, Nina, just like that. And he said, is that Nina with five N's? not knowing i stutter and i was like no that is nina with t- two ends." and i did this um so that's the nice thing about comedy is that you can respond if somebody's an asshole. you can respond at, at like 10 you can respond on 10. it's that woman i couldn't have done this to that woman i couldn't have um and now he gave me one of my be- best lines in my act people love that line so much and Thank you for giving it to me, whomever that is. And he knows because I tell him all the time. Um, If you say something to me, I will remind you constantly about it for our Mm. entire life. Um, And and that is your penance. Um, So the other one. um, So this was interesting because usually after... I do comedy. People feel that they can come up to me and just <laughs> say stuff. Mm. Um, and, you know, you being a comic, people are like, oh, I can say whatever I want because it's a it's all a joke. It's, like, oh, it's not. It's not. Um, so this guy comes up to me um, and this one. And so I did not perform. I was at a comedy club seeing my friend, Mean Dave, um, but. I was. I did not perform. I was not under the guise of comedy. This was just under the guise of being a woman around a drunk dude. And so this drunk dude who was in the audience at the show, I'm talking to him outside, and I stutter, and I'm like, yeah, so I'm a stuttering comic, and blah, blah, blah. And then he's there, and he's thinking, and he's thinking, and he's like, huh? And he's like, uh, do you stutter when you win?" Do you stutter when you uh, Orgasm That's what he asked me And my follow up which is so good My follow up was Which lips are you Talking about Again I love it Yes
1: (laughs) Yo I have a feeling I hope you've shared that on stage Because that is genius
0: as a stuttering comic sometimes I don't have to write I just report out I never sit down and say okay I'm gonna write my stuttering jokes now no I just you know shit happens and I talk about it
1: yeah that's such a blessing <laughs> um wow so you know um one of the things that came up in our conversation is that as a result of you know, your stand up experience um as well as sort of what you were inspired by. One of the things that was really powerful is when you told me that um you're always a disability advocate first mm-hmm. um and uh you know comedian after that. And as an immigrant myself, um I know that as much as you struggled in this country growing up um it and as far as resources go um there's there's a world of a difference uh between you know being a, a stutterer in in the US and or a stammerer in India mm mm-hmm. right so could you help enlighten us a bit um, in regards to now that you are an international advocate, mm-hmm. having met stutterers/slash stammerers um, from other parts of the country/world, uh, low income, middle income, what that experience has been like, and and what you would like to impart upon us global audience in this regard to help improve.
0: You know, I think. Um, The most important thing to me is that there is a community of people who stutter and there is a stuttering group in india it's the indian stammering association and they do wonderful work and i have worked with them i've done podcasts i've done interviews um so they they're they are amazing and also india is really big on stand-up now um so i i suspect there's going to be some indian stand-up comics coming up um and then um and so and i think it impacts people around the world in different ways. But I think the one thing that is very common among us is that it's not like there's any culture that's like, oh yes, stuttering is awesome and great and they are just part of our world and we're just not gonna interrupt them. We're not gonna discriminate against, no, America doesn't, England doesn't, like everywhere around the world. The one commonality is that stutters learn that they are less than and they are discriminated against they're done and that's done in the employment world it's done in relationships you know i've had friends who have hard who have had a hard time dating in america in india like just around the world it's an issue um and i'm sure it impacts people in in different ways but it's just part of that um And so I think finding community is really important. And there's lots of community to be found now that we're online. Um, Back before online, you really had to search it out, but, type in your country, type in stuttering or stammering. And stammering is what they say in the UK. Like in America, people are like, oh, well, they're more of a stammerer instead of a, a stutterer. Like it's better to be a stammerer. Like it's more fancy. No, it's just what the UK people say. Um, <laughs> you can tell I get irritated. Yeah. Um, it's a,
1: it's still funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and so the community is the thing that has brought me to the places that that I've been um and we have to go and we have to f- 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 find each other. Um and there are lots of organizations that are d- d- doing that. Um, and actually I have a list of those, which I will send you,
1: um,
0: people can, can start there.
1: Hell yeah. So, uh, before we, uh, you know, sort of end today's, um, episode, um, this is usually something that I ask at the beginning of the episode and I completely missed, but, um, I think it might be great to sort of end on this note is, can you share with us the story of how you and I met?
0: Yes, yes. Let's see. Well, it was, and I, I you know, I want you to tell it too. So I'm just going to introduce it sure. and then say more. Sure. Um, I was headlining at um, Critical Hit, which is It's Your Move Games, I think, mm-hmm. um, which is hit Hayden's show in it's in the Temescal in Oakland great shows just a little teeny tiny show in yep. a store or in like a comic book game store it's like some nights they have d- dungeons and dragons other nights they have this show um and so I performed I was headlining on that night um, I had just come back from my high school reunion, so I was kind of ripped mm-hmm. up, and i like, ur, ur, ur. Um,
1: you even cracked a joke from, yeah. from that, I remember. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, so that's where we met, and what do you want to add?
1: Well, shout out to Hayden and Critical Hit Comedy. If you're ever in the Oakland, California area, and it happens to be a Saturday. Please make the time. It's an amazing lineup. And tickets are 10 bucks. It's like a no-brainer. If you're into comedy, you got to go uh, to that show and say hi to Hayden. And they even have, like, raffles and giveaways. So it's like you could make more back than what you spent <laughs> on your ticket. So, like, go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, Nina uh, headlined, and I'd never experienced a stuttering comedian, let alone a woman stuttering comedian. And, you know, there was immediately this, like, you know, the, the, the creative, uh, you know, whatever, the one who's like, Oh my God, this could be an episode, <laughs> you know, came on. It was like, this, this would be so amazing. She's such a cool human. And like one of the things that really stuck out to me was how, you know, at the end of your show, you made it a point. Uh, well, one of the things that stuck out to me, besides you know how funny you were, was um, how you were using your stage. Um, you had an agenda, um, you know, to advocate for disability, and you went so far as to offer whoever was a stutter or was you know close to a stutter that you would give a copy of your book for free to them, you know. Um, that really stuck with me. Mm. And so um, I had to come over after the show and introduce myself. And and I believe that was back in August or September.
0: Yeah, I think it was September because October, I don't do anything. Otherwise, this would have happened way, way sooner. (laughs) Yeah. In October, it's dead the Disability Awareness Month Uh and International Stuttering Awareness Day on the 22nd. So that is like, I'm always super busy then because a lot of celebration goes on.
1: Hell yeah. So, you know, that just goes to highlight, um, you know, if I hadn't, well, if Hayden hadn't stepped out of his comfort zone and like dedicated himself to, you know, putting on this weekly show, right? Shout out Hayden, critical hit comedy. Um, That would not have created the stage for Nina and me to come together. And then obviously, um, you know, for me to find it within myself and then for Nina to be open because she's done a ton of interviews, right? I mean, like she's a international speaker, um, and so grateful for her to, you know, open up her heart, uh, open up her time, uh, to, to allow this to happen, you know, uh, four months, however, months after the fact. So, um, so grateful, uh, for you, Nina. Um, any last words before we, uh, wrap up?
0: Let's see. Um, p- people can connect with me. I'm at nina g comedian. In two thousand, well, what are we in? In two thousand twenty three, um, my album is going to come out, and that should be available internationally. And also, also, uh, since we last talked, um, I'm also going to be filming a comedy s- 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 special, and the director is g- Gina Chin. D- d- Davis she also stutters so it's great to have it being directed by a woman who stutters so it's going to be a unicorn project all around.
1: Congratulations and I feel like this might be the first public forum where you're sort of sharing this news so what an honor it is. Um, Please once that goes live I'd love to add a link Um, So that, you know, three years from now, if somebody is watching this episode, they'll be able to link to your comedy special because I think that's big news uh, and worth celebrating. So thank you so much. Um, I will be adding, um, you know, whatever information you share with me in the episode description. Um, With that, um, I want to take a moment to thank our audience. Without you, we would not exist. Um, And until the next episode, love and light to you all, and don't forget to step out of your comfort zone. All right. Thank
0: you, Nina. Thank you, Lion. Bye, everyone.
1: Thank you so much, For tuning in to this episode of the Get Out of Your Comfort Zone series. I hope it moved you and inspired you if you are feeling stuck with something in your life. If you would like to further connect with our guest, please see their contact in the description. Please consider taking a moment to rate this podcast. Please also consider showing us some love on your Instagram story. You can find our info in the episode description. Until the next episode, I wish you infinite love and light. Thank you so much for tuning in.